Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, everybody. About a minute away from high noon, so give you some time to put messages in the queue there. I don't think there's any major news we have to get to right away. Um, geez. So a wild few weeks there, though, in Blue Jackets land. Johnny Gaudreau, a Blue Jacket now. I think you're still getting your arms around that. Uh, if you want to ask a question... Step on up to the stage. You guys hear me okay? I hope you can. Um, and uh, we'll get to it. We got a question here right out of the shoot here. Jonathan B. I'm trying to think. I don't think there's anything we need to get to news-wise. It's going to be pretty quiet here, I would suspect. I think they're done with free agency. There's still a player to be signed. Emil Bemstrom is an RFA. His deal is, is uh, still to be signed. Other than that, it's going to be probably a quiet four or five weeks here um, for the Blue Jackets. Jarmo's back in Finland uh, with the family, having some, finally some downtime. And uh, so, yeah, Line A's extension. I should have mentioned him in the tweet, too. Uh, whatever you guys want to talk about, let's roll. Uh, start with uh, Jonathan B. Jonathan, you there? Morty, uh, thanks, all. First, first and foremost, thanks for giving some Traverse City recommendations. I tweeted earlier that. Oh, yeah, no problem. Pilgrimage. Uh, awesome. so that's really helpful, and we're really excited to see prospects. Um, my question, I know we're all having fun kind of putting together lineups and thinking who's going to play with whom, but I'm still looking at this glut of forwards and thinking there's not a lot of opportunity for some of these younger players to get some time at the NHL level. And right. I know the Jackets have always prioritized, you know, we want them to earn it rather than, you know, in the early years of, you know, Doug McClain throwing the young people in the meat grinder at the NHL sure. level. But I'm just kind of wondering – 
are we still going to be able to clear out some of this forward log jam? Because I'm looking at it and it seems like we have some guys playing lower in the lineup where, you know, you got your Chinikovs and maybe Kent Johnson's who aren't going to be playing in the top six. And I'm just a little, little concerned if playing at the NHL level on the third and fourth line would be best for that development. Or if we're really just going to see a young and high like ceiling couple of lines in weeks down in Cleveland. Yeah. So there's a lot to that. It's a great question. And you certainly got the sense heading into the summer that Yarmo Kekalainen wanted to make uh, trades and thin out that, that um, forward front. And then he ended up adding forwards. I mean, there was no expectation. I certainly at the start of free agency at the start of the summer, there was no expectation of adding Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, so not only are you adding uh, physically a forward, but you're adding one high in the, in the lineup, pushing at least uh, three people down wherever he plays. Then you add uh, Olivier in a trade with Nashville. Again, you wanted toughness, but they traded a pick for a player. So it wasn't a player out player in. Now you've added another forward. Um, there's also something here about, I don't know how the exact phrase I would use, but, um, you know, commodity usage, like, you know, do you, eh, they're, they're going to go into camp with Liam Foody and Bemstrom needing to clear waivers in order to go to Cleveland. Now, Foody's a first round draft pick not that long ago. Teams don't usually just let that, those guys go away if they really still think there's a an NHL future there. And I don't think anyone looks at the forwards that are on paper right now in Columbus and sees Liam Foody cracking any of those lines right now. I mean, I'm not saying he, he won't ever. I don't think anybody can say that. But certainly on paper now, he's not a guy that fits in that group. So what do you do with him? But to your point, you know, Kent Johnson, does he, is Kent Johnson, and the questions they've, I think they use training camp to answer some of these as best they can, training camp in the preseason. Is Kent Johnson so advanced and so ready to play that he needs to be in the NHL right now? And if he is, then you make room for him. And that might be moving a veteran, if you can, Nyquist. That may be sitting uh, a player that you otherwise think would play. Um, same with Chinikov. They can both go to, to, to AHL Cleveland without waivers, so that's flexibility for the team. But you're not sending those guys there if they are bona fide NHL players that that have not just, you know, I, I've always said this too, you don't wait your turn for an NHL job. You knock the door down and you take somebody else's job. But if they do that, if they do that, they need to play and they need to be in the NHL. And nobody knows this more than, than Yarmo and the coaches and all that. I think they all... That's how they see it as well. But I think he used training camp for all that. Where does Marchenko fit? He didn't come here. He didn't wait three years to come here and then come here now to go to the minors. Nothing against Cleveland. I don't think he's totally against going to Cleveland, but I don't think you want it to go too long in Cleveland because that's that wasn't the point of him coming over. There's a ton of moving parts here, a ton of them. And, and I thought, you know, I was a little surprised, frankly, that Bemstrom was qualified. Because, you know, you're going to sign him again. It's probably going to be a two-way deal. But he's got to clear waivers, and then you may lose him anyways. I don't think that one's the end of the world. Foodie, to me, is a different one. You haven't given him as many opportunities as, as Bemstrom. Um, but there's 
there's a lot of things to juggle here. And if I, I think we can say with certainty, if, if Kent Johnson, if Chinikov, if uh, Marchenko, who are the other players? Certainly Sillinger. I think we all agree he's an NHL guy. No worries there. It's also a little different in the center position. But these other kids, if they come into camp and it, it's just clear that they are head and shoulders better than the next guy, they're going they're going to be in, and then the team will have to make moves. But that, that those are those would be good problems uh, to have because that tells you that that Ken Johnson is now ready. I, frankly, I, at the end of last season, he looked like a guy who could use some time in the American Hockey League. I don't mean that as a slight to him at all. Just getting used to playing against bigger players, um, more physical players. And, and you know what? Why not take this opportunity? If you think he's a center, if you send him to Cleveland, put him in the middle and see what that looks like. He hasn't played there for a while. Let him play there against the pros and see what it looks like. I think you can really use this to your advantage. Um, but you don't want to park a player who deserves to be in the NHL in the American Hockey League for very long at all. Or it, it, that, that gets into culture issues in the room, too, because the players know. The players know who should be there and who shouldn't. And it's, it's not right to send those guys out if they're, not, if they're ready to be in the league. So does that, does that answer your question, Jonathan? It does. Thank you, Porty. Um, just a quick follow-up mainly about Traverse City. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of keeping a pulse on some of our prospects and what's going on and where they're going to play. And it seems like Juracek is going to play for Chechia in the World Juniors in August. That's going to be a, a lot of hockey early in the season for him. Who are we? Who are the Jackets reasonably expecting to play in Traverse? Are we going to see Yurichek and Matejchuk and Del Bell Belus and um, all the recent guys, or are we going to see maybe Johnson in Traverse City first bit? Well, so I think you could get Johnson there because he only played very little in the NHL last year. Um, no way you could get the other teams might throw a fit if you try to bring Sillinger back in. Um, and same with Chinikov because he played most of the year in the, in the NHL. Um, so the college kids are out because they're, you know, they're going to be heading off here in a few weeks. A lot of the Euro guys who are going to for sure play in Europe this year probably will not be there either. Um, but all of the guys who are sort of up in the air or are Canadian junior players or AHL players, uh, undrafted pros that have signed, those guys are, are almost all going to be there. But I don't think the roster is set yet, and they usually announce it just a few days before you go. Awesome. Thanks again, Porty. Really appreciate it. I'll jump bet, off the stage and stop monopolizing. Well, thanks for the questions. Hopefully I'll see you up there in Traverse City. All right, let's go to uh, Jude. Jude, go ahead. Hey, Porty, can you hear me all right? I can, yeah. Thanks for doing this. Um, first Thank off, you. I just wanted to say um, back in, so I'm a few years out of high school now, but it would have been okay. 2019. I asked you if I should get a Dubois, Bjorkstrand, or Anderson jersey for Uh-oh. my first jersey. Uh-oh. Who would have predicted that by this time all three of them <laughs> would have been gone? I mean, that was just. What did I tell you? Which one did I tell you to get? I think in order you ranked them Dubois, Anderson, Bjorkstrand. <laughs> Wait, so the exact the inverse order, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, you know, it's like uh, again, who who could have known that? Um, my actual question relates to Texier. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, I think you can kind of divide last year into like a few chunks. You kind of have at the start of the year, 
Texas A chunk where he was like the only bright spot on the team. Right. And then he went down and kind of switched over to line for the, the latter half of that season. Where so if you're just looking at Texas kind of first half in a, in a vacuum, do the Blue Jackets does the organization see that as like he's kind of topping out as a second line uh, type player, or are they kind of concerned with how much he missed? Where I guess where they view him topping out as, I guess is my question. Yeah, well, I, so I mean, the, the concern last year was where is he, where is he personally first and foremost, and I, as far as I know, they are expecting him back at camp. Um, I don't think anybody wants to say anything for sure until he's actually here, and I also don't think, out of respect for him, they want to make um, this an issue, a big, you know, a big um, tada, a big presentation when he does come come back. They, I think part of giving people space in a situation like this is also respecting their space a bit when they come back. Um, so that's the sort of overlying, is he going to be here? Think so. Hope so. Um, mostly hope so because you hope that the player is in the right spot where he's able to be, you know, who he was born to be, a uh, hockey player. Um, now about his game, I'm, I'm with you. I think he was one of the absolute bright spots of last year, probably their best player for about six weeks and not just their best player, but a really good player. There were a lot of guys struggling uh, at certain times of the season. He was a real bright spot. I think they learned through his play last year that he can be a top six guy. I think he could be a top line guy if the other two guys are right. If you know what I mean, I think he's a complimentary player for a lot of for a lot of reasons. In terms of winning pucks off the wall, it's pretty crafty, pretty competitive, and the more confidence he gets, the more um, geez, how to say it nicely, the more difficult he gets to play against. He can be there's sandpaper in his game when he's feeling it. And you, when all of that went away from his game, he could almost, for me, a player like that, that's almost the the read of where his confidence is at, is how physical and sort of prickish he is. Because he should be irritating the other team. He's got that makeup. He's not a fighter, but he is a competitive guy, wins a lot of battles. He's also got a lot of skill. And so I, I think if the other two guys on on the line are right, I, I think he could play on any line. He's that he's that kind of player. He's a bit of a playmaker. And Yarmo is not convinced yet that he is in a center. Now he's been more productive on the wing. He's looked more comfortable on the wing. But Yarmo is Yarmo Kekalainen, the Blue Jackets GM, is of the belief that he is that he has a lot of attributes in his game that suggest he can be a center in the NHL. So that's something to look for too, but I, I don't, you know, I, I, he's got the skill to play high in the lineup and I, I wouldn't want to limit that to just saying nothing higher than second line. Cause I think it depends on who his line mates are. He could play higher. Yeah. I think, I think with him too, it's, it's been weird to see. Cause I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love what towards brought, but like a lot of that style seemed to be a lot of jump and chase, particularly in the last few years. And Texier is, he just seems one of those few players that like, He's comfortable with the puck on his stick. Uh, yeah. Which is, it's you know, I mean, obviously, Line is just so skilled, but it's a different type of skill than what Line 
sure. kind of brings to the table. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. I think I think that answers the question. Um, thanks a bunch. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for the question. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, let's go to Paul B. Paul B., go ahead. Hey, Bordy, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad things are slowing down for you finally. Yeah, getting there. <laughs> getting there. Hey, I was curious, and this is kind of a, a front office question. It's, you know, J.D., when he was here before he left for New York, yeah. obviously Blue Jackets had best success in franchise history. He goes to New York. New York quickly turns things around and turns into a very good team. Obviously, he comes back here, and things seem to get a lot better than they were while he was gone. So I'm curious as to what role J.D.'s been playing in recent success uh, of the Blue Jackets that they've been seeing. You know, is it just his presence free up Yarmo to do GM things or... Maybe he's there to bounce ideas off of, and you're almost better as a GM with him around. Just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's a great question. I think I don't want to take anything away from John Davidson. I think a lot of it is the cycle of things where he left, you know, not too long after the sort of the franchise peaked with uh, Bobrovsky, Panarin, Duchesne, those guys leaving, and it started to go south from there. He comes back. After they had traded Felino, after they had traded Savard, when the when the restart is sort of beginning as well, so timing's been good. But I I think I don't want to take away from his input because I do think it is. I think it I think it's it's um meaningful. I think it's substantial at times. I think the Seth Jones situation. Uh, I think it's I I think it can be really helpful to have somebody else in the front office that is a high powered mind who also has an understanding of public relations and how things are perceived. And I think, I think John Davidson is, is, is exceptional at that stuff. And I don't think he gets an, enough credit for understanding how those things are done best. But, you know, the, I don't know if you picked up on this, but early last year when, it first became known that Seth Jones had informed the Blue Jackets that he would not be signing here long-term. It was said, well, we're going to get a good deal for Seth Jones, but if we don't get it this summer, we'll carry him into the last year of his contract. And that that sort of talk happened for a couple of days, and then it was, no, 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 we're not doing this shit again. And then it became clear 
Seth Jones will be traded. Like, enough. We're not doing this again. Um, not allowing an entire year of stories being written from all over, not just local, about the Blue Jackets needing to trade this great player, Seth Jones, because he doesn't want to sign long-term in Columbus. How damaging something like that could be. And it, no, it was made clear, and I think John Davidson was a big part of it. This will be done, and will be done very quickly. We're not, we're not doing this again. And so the ball moved forward pretty quickly there. Um, I think it's those kind of things. I think it's another voice. Experience sometimes can be overrated in situations like this, but I think there are some jobs, some chairs where even if it's, even if the experience doesn't rest in the chair that's ultimately making the decisions, I think you have to have that sort of experience around you. Uh, people who have seen this before, have felt it before, and and know how things can see outside of themselves in their own situations sometimes. Sometimes pride and uh, gets in the way of, of these things where, you know, you want to keep things going longer than, than, you, than they probably should go. You, you don't accept there should be a full restart because you want to prove some of these people wrong that just left you. And then a wise voice comes in and says, no, 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 no. We've got to do this the right way. Just stop. And in order to do this, here's an extension for you. Everyone's cool. Everyone's going to be safe. But this is the way that this needs to be done. And I think both of those minds together have, have done, a, to this point, a really impressive job of turning it around. And now comes the hard part because uh, the the incremental improvements are, I think, so much more difficult than just getting from really lousy to average like they did last year. Now comes the hard part, getting getting yourself into the next wave of people, closing that 20-point gap to the playoffs. No, that that makes great sense. And he's I, – I agree with you. That, that Seth Jones thing was definitely uh, – it was nice that they just, hey, let's not draw this out. Let's get it done. Yeah, yeah, get so to, important. Get on with our uh, – get on with the franchise rebuild. Yep, so and important. The other thing – yeah. I don't know. If, I've seen a lot of interviews with him, and he's just such a, a advocate for the city of Columbus, and he speaks so clearly, concisely, and powerful, really. Um, I wonder if his way of communicating that way and really being an advocate for Columbus has attracted free agents like Goudreau. Like, maybe, is it possible Goudreau maybe doesn't come here and Line A doesn't necessarily like it here if he's not you know, speaking so highly of the city. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think for those guys, and I don't want to discount that, but I think for those guys, it's more like Line can go on his own experience from being here. He was traded here. That wasn't his choice. And he has spent a year and a half here after the trade because they had his, his rights. And so he experienced it himself. And I think he's come to his own conclusion. And, you know, Patrick Line, even a little bit, I, I don't pretend to know him, uh, certainly, but you get the sense from this guy that he's going to make his own decisions and reach his own conclusions. And I think he decided on his own he likes this place. I don't think he needs anybody yeah. else to tell him that. Um, I didn't. I haven't gotten any sense from Gaudreau that 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 anything from a management level impacted his decision here. Although he sp- spoke very highly of what he heard about the organization in particular. So it travels really quickly among players. And I, I got to tell you the. It, how Columbus is viewed to me is a lot like how John Tortorella is thought of. 
where if you actually talk to players, they, most of them who have experience in Columbus really like it. I mean, I, I don't know of a player who said, I have to get out of here because the city's awful. And similarly, if most people, if you talk to them about playing for Tortorella, they'll say, we had some difficult times, some days where he really challenged me and I wanted to kill him and vice versa. But on the whole, I loved it. I loved playing for him. Sam Gagne loved playing for him. Um, you know, there are reports of Dubois having stayed in touch with John Tortorella after he left Columbus, which is not something you may expect to hear from from a guy because people think that Tortorella is the reason he left. Um, it's all Cam Atkinson loved Tortorella. Wierenski did. So Seth Jones loved him maybe more than anybody. Um, now, there are guys who have differences with him, for sure. That's every coach. I mean, you know, there are guys that couldn't stand Ken Hitchcock, but there's a lot of guys that, that feel like they owe their careers to him as well. Um, but no matter how many times you tell the story of Wierenski and Jones and Atkinson really enjoying playing for Tortorella, that doesn't resonate with people as much as people wanting to believe that every player everywhere hates him. And Columbus, people see the players leaving Columbus and assume that it is the city. Uh, even though I don't know of any player who said, I got to get out of that city. It's never been the city, uh, to my knowledge. So it, it's just weird how things fester and and that's why we've said the Goudreau thing is so powerful because no matter how many times somebody says Columbus is great, it's wonderful, nothing, nothing drives that point home quite like a the big time free agent that year deciding to come to your city. I don't think anything is as powerful a message as that. Love it, great stuff. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for the questions, man. Appreciate it. Let's yeah. go to Matt C. Matt, go ahead. Hey, how you doing, Forty? Good. Uh, thanks for having me on. So, my question is, what's like? Where do Adam Boquist and Jake Bean stand um, as far as like depth on the defensive end? I mean, I, you know, the def- defense is kind of our offense, our D, our D men that are offensive. We gifted our. It's kind of redundant. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. is that? Are we just waiting for them to develop? Like, I hate that strategy personally. Like, you know, I don't think that hope can be a uh, good um, stepping stone. But uh, I just wanted to get your take on, are they trying to improve that position? Are they going to, how many more years do they have to show that they can really grow as two-way defensive? Yeah, so they're both very young still, especially Boakvist. Um And I think with the offensive upside that Boakvist showed, especially last season, but really throughout his young career, you're, there's going to be a longer leash there. Um, I think he's been an effective defenseman from the red line in. It's the, it's really his blue line back where you, you need to see the improvement where they want to see the improvement. I think they think more than intelligence or reading the play. I think they think that that's just physical strength. And so he was tasked this summer with getting stronger. Now, can he close? That gap in one off season, probably not, but you want to see progress from the player. And I do think, I know the Gaudreau signing is exciting. I, this is not still yet a finished product and the improvements that this team is going to make now from here over the next two or three years is mostly going to be internal. It's going to be the improvement that Sillinger makes. It's going to be the improvement of Johnson, Chinikov, those guys up front. 
But on the back end, it's going to be, you know, where do Bean and Bokvis go? Where does Blankenberg go? Andrew Peak? What becomes of these guys? How much do their games grow uh, through off-season workouts, through experience, et cetera? They're still young. There has to be room for growth in there. But they also have to know that this team has spent three first-round picks on defensemen now in the last two years. Corson Kuhlman's two years ago, uh, Matichuk, and um, Yurichek this year. And so those guys aren't going to be out of the NHL long. But that back end is probably two years away. Um, Yurichek probably next year will make some sort of an impact, if not full-time, certainly a partial. Then you're probably three or four years away from that back end being a finished product or being a real uh, fully developed weapon that they think it can be. It's still really, really young back there. Juracek doesn't, in my opinion, is probably not going to help them in the top four this year. That's a little rich for an 18-year-old kid. But I think if you look at this roster, their projected lineup, the two spots that jump off the page at you most as being major question marks is the right side of the defense, the top two. Like, I don't know where that filters out. It ended up being peak at the end of last year. It could be him again this year with Wierenski. Uh, where do Bean and, and Bogfist figure in there? One of those guys may end up sitting if Blankenberg becomes a regular. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts in the back end. It, it, they don't have the uh, the cap space, and they, there's just not players, top four defensemen out there um, that they could swing right now that, that help their lineup right now. So that they're going to have to score a lot of goals. They're going to need their goaltenders to be special or at least above average and they need that back end to develop and mature quickly because there's that is to me that's the part of this team you look at and kind of raise an eyebrow about whether or not they could be a playoff team can they close the 19 point gap 20 point gap that was there last year if they can't defend better than they did last year good branson's going to help i know a lot of people don't like that contract that's fine but he is going to help them from a physical perspective. But that's probably a third pair guy. Uh, if he's in the second pair with Gavrikov, oh, maybe, maybe that's okay. But probably a third pair guy. Uh, it's the top two on the right side that, that really give, give, should give you pause for concern. I think there's answers there. It's just there's potential there. We don't know that there's answers yet. Thanks. Um, I, you know, and I had one more really quick question if you had sure. some time. Sure. This was kind of um, piggybacking off of the front office question. What is Yarmo's end game? You know, obviously he wants to build a cup center here in Columbus. Like, are we just going to keep extending him if we see success? Or like, what, what does he want to do? Does he want to, does he have a specific GM job he wanted? Does he want to go back to Finland? Like, what, what, what do you think is his long-term goal? Well, he still has a few years left on his current deal. He's one of the longest-served GMs in the league already, if you can believe that. It'll be 10 years in February. I mean, typically what those guys have done, he wants to win a Stanley Cup. And I think if he wins the Stanley Cup, then you look at, you know, does he move into a different capacity? Look what happened in in Colorado when Joe Sackick, they won the Cup. 
and then he has ascended into a president's job. The dog says hello. And Chris McFarland moved into the uh, GM's role from the assistant GM. Maybe you see something that, like that happen in Columbus should they achieve that ultimate goal. But I, I don't know of any plans right now for Yermo to move on or up. I mean, John Davidson's not going to be president forever. Um, so maybe there's a chair shift there in a few years. But for now, I think he's content as GM. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, man. Thanks for the question. To Drew S. Hey, Porty. Hope all's well. Thanks, man. Um, you too. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, I just wanted to, to talk a little bit about the, the Bjorkstrand trade. Yeah. Um, trust me, I, I, I usually think I have a pretty good GM mind when it comes to making these trades, but mm-hmm. that was really the first year since I've been following Jackets in my eight years of a season ticket holder. The first trade that I, that I really had a hard time with. And part of it is because you look at some of these teams like the Lightning and some of these other teams that are successful for years, and it's like those are the contracts that they're able to keep and hold on to. And I think that's a contract that in three years we're going to look like that we want to have. And I also think if Liney doesn't score 40-plus goals this year, he's an option that I would much rather have on a line with someone like Gaudreau because of what he can do defensively. Um, so just kind of speak on that a little bit. And then also, if you heard anything, I've tried to look around but haven't seen anything, on what the trade market was for Gus or if we even tried shopping him around at all. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's an awful trade. And I think, I think the Blue Jackets would tell you that as well. It's also the the most palatable of the awful trades that were available to them. And they felt like they needed to go really quickly. Um, so I, I think what's different, I don't think you can apply anything that's happened in the last four or five years to what's happening this summer. And I still think we're going to see more of it, not from the Blue Jackets perspective, but that's why they moved quickly from other teams' perspectives. There's, there are only few teams out there who have salary cap space. And so, you know, I'm not privy to, did they offer Gus Nyquist to Seattle? But I think we can all safely assume that that is a player the Blue Jackets would have rather traded. I can just tell you, though, from Seattle's perspective, in this climate, when you look at a team that absolutely has to do something, you're going for, you want everything. You you are in the driver's seat of this, and the Blue Jackets know you're in the driver's seat with this trade. And in order for them, again, surmising here, in order for them to unload Nyquist, it may have also cost them a first-round draft pick. And some people would say, you know what, do it rather than give up Bjorkstrand. Uh, it may have cost them a top prospect, Marchenko as well. Uh, look, look, Max Pacioretty, who I think m- many teams would think has similar value to Bjorkstrand, or maybe he's more of a name than Bjorkstrand even, was essentially given to the Carolina Hurricanes with the prospect by Vegas to take him, just take him. Nothing in return. Future considerations that are already basically zero. There's nothing going to be there. And I think Yarmo's read is that it's only going to get worse this summer. And in fact, you could end up in a situation where you can't trade a sizable contract. You can't move a player to get under the, the, the salary cap. You can't do it without 
either buying out multiple players and buying out is you can't just buy out a player whenever you want. It's a certain window for that. Um, so it, it, it was the move of a desperate hockey team. And I think that's what they were. And I, I think they felt like the longer they waited, that it only was going to get more desperate. I mean, there's still some players out there to sign via free agents, uh, free agency. And when teams who that currently have cap space, if they can get those players signed to an agreement, now there's even less cap space around the league. And again, it's it's not at all like it has been in previous years where, you know, half the league is is over but could do a few things, and the other half is under, and five six teams are way under. It's very few teams that are under. And there's a lot of teams that are over. So these next six weeks are going to be, what is Florida going to do now that they're over after the, after having made the trade for Kachuk, that's going to be interesting to watch. And, and I think, I think subsequent trades will let us know how bad or how reasonable I'm putting quotes around reasonable. The Bjorkstrand trade was because Yarmo's belief was that the longer they waited, it was only going to get uglier. And so I think they may have had line A done before they actually had the deal I, announced. I, I agree with that. I do agree with and that. And I think they wanted they wanted everything to go at once so that they were left sort of in a lurch uh for the for the least amount of time possible. But you're right, this does line A better score forty, fifty, like there's now a pressure, not just by his contract, but what they've, I mean, Gaudreau's under pressure for sure. He's the guy now. Um, but it does change some roles here. Completely agree. And one question to follow up on that, not to rain on anybody's parade. You know, we did get the biggest free agent signing. It's awesome for Columbus. You know, I've been mm-hmm. here a long time. I'm super excited about that. But the last couple big players that we've traded for us, it's just almost seemed like just such a negative situation for that beer player being traded with Yorkstrand and Cam. Is that something you think players will think about moving forward with almost like some people have said about Vegas recently as well? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I mean, I think the Vegas thing, I mean, the Vegas thing is, is quite a bit different than the Blue Jackets thing. I think what what has irritated players with Vegas is every, they want every shiny new toy. And as soon as they, they sign a shiny new toy, boom, they're getting rid of a, an old toy that they don't want anymore. And, you know, that Bjorkstrand is a player who who generates a lot of respect. I think players in the room really appreciate him. I'm not sure he's to the level of a Flurry or a Pacioretty or some of these guys. Um, it, it's the it's the way that uh, Vegas has gone about it. And, and you know, trading Bjorkstrand during his honeymoon, not ideal, certainly. But, you know... I mean, Jordan Stahl was traded by the the Penguins d- literally during his wedding, like his wedding, <laughs> like the actual ceremony. Um, and so his wedding, I'm sure his wife appreciated this, was hijacked as a going away party for half of the Penguins who were there. That's pretty awkward. Um, traded. I think there were players in the room. I'm sure Bjorkstrand was one of them that when Gaudreau landed here were on high alert. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure um, Gus Nyquist was half expecting a phone call too. Maybe maybe um, Voracek was expecting one. You knew it was going to be a big ticket player. I think if Columbus did this four more times, then they'd start have a, rep- a reputation similar to Vegas. 
But I, I, I think people understand that when, when a Johnny Gaudreau wants to come to Columbus, uh, Columbus would look the fool if they didn't, you know, welcome that with open arms. And, and I think on the whole, people were going to be pleased with how this turns out. They've acquired an elite player, an elite player, a superstar player. I mean, quite possibly the best player that's ever dressed for the organization. Fedorov was past his prime when he signed here, but Gaudreau is an elite, elite superstar player. So maybe once the season gets started and uh, people will, uh, will not be so have such mixed emotions because I think he can dazzle a lot of people. No, completely agree. That one was just tough for me, but uh, thanks a lot for you. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for the question. All right, let's go to Dan P. Dan, you there? Hey, Porty. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Sure thing, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I actually have a question um, about some of the younger forwards. So mm-hmm. I know last year a line that we kept hearing about Chinikov was, uh, you know, he's going to play. He's going to play. And the idea was, you know, they're not going to have him sit as a healthy scratch for long right. stretches. But, you know, he still did have some on the bench, and it felt like a lot of times when he would be put in the lineup, it would kind of be in a fourth-line role, and that's just something that has never really felt like his game. You know, he's a guy who was drafted based on, you know, that monster shot of his. And it just kind of feels like, you know, with Kent Johnson and Marchenko now also, in the organization and pushing for lineup spots, you know, are they going to be more willing to push these guys down to Cleveland to give them higher quality minutes as opposed to just, you know, give them four or five minutes a night as a checking line guy. Cause something that's always kind of bothered me is it, is it felt like that role was really forced on Benstrom, another guy who, you know, joined the team with an offensive reputation and it just, it never really jived with him and, yeah. You know, it, it part of it's starting to feel like, you know, maybe that that kind of hurt Benstrom's development and his chances of having a long lasting role with the team. So I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that and what yeah. we see with Ted Johnson, Marchenko and Chinikov this year. Yeah. So let me say this to start. I, I think this year will be a we'll have a different directive on the ice than last year did. This has not been articulated by management or the coaching staff, but I, I think this is going to be a different year. In other words, last year was so much about discovery and let's just see what this is, what this looks like. They knew they weren't, they, they weren't putting together a lineup that was a playoff team. They were giving guys experience. They were evaluating players, the very educational year. I think this year is going to be a little bit different where there's a higher expectation now. Um, so whereas last year it was important to get Chinikov in there and let him play, let him fail, if you will, let him make mistakes, let him learn. I think this year it's it, it's up a notch now. Same with Kent Johnson, where you need to be an explosive offensive player. And if you're not ready to do that in the NHL yet, then maybe Cleveland is the best option. Not forever. It's not a setback. It says nothing of your value. It says nothing about where you're drafted, yada, yada. Go be go be special. Learn how to play center if you're Kent Johnson. Um, I, so I think this year is going to be a little bit different in that regard because I think the, I feel like the, they said it was last year. Of course they did. I don't think anybody 
had an expectation of making the playoffs last season. I think most expected to be bottom third of the league, maybe bottom five of the league. Uh, and they were better than a lot of people expected. Um, but it was still a, a different kind of year. I think this one's going to be different. Um, as for Bemstrom, and I think this gets back to something I was saying earlier, I think it's perfectly fine, especially when the lines today are not – lines today are not what they used to be. So the fourth line is not, you know, two knuckle draggers and a meathead like it used to be. No, no, no disrespect to those guys, but the, there used to be real stereotypical fourth line type NHL player, um, super crazy physical. That was your energy line and your fighter line, uh, and the third line was your hard checking line. And they're just not built that way anymore. Um, it kind of drives me crazy actually that there's so many fourth lines in the league that I just feel like are they're just like a dumping ground for the three guys that don't fit anywhere else. No, I, I agree. That. I mean, I feel like Robinson, every line should have a purpose. Sorry, I was just about to say, I actually agree. I mean, Robinson, Corrali, Texas, it was like our most consistent yep. line throughout the year. Yeah, even 100%. when Bamford stepped in. Yeah. yeah, 100%. But, you know, a guy like Bemstrom comes in and you put him on the third line or the fourth line, that's just giving him a chance to get his legs moving. You're giving him an opportunity in the power play as well. But it's on that player – it's on that player to show himself in a way that makes you think he's ready to step up a line. And you've, you saw Texier do it last year. That, that's what you want out of a guy when you put him in that situation. He doesn't have to play any way other than how he is best suited to play. But for me, Benjamin has been frustrating because he, he, I get the sense from him that he's wait, he just feels like he needs to wait for his turn and it'll be his turn. And I learned this years ago covering minor league baseball, uh, the Yankees AAA team. It's never your turn. It will never be your turn. They're never going to give it to you because they've given everybody else a shot. And so, ho-hum, let's try you. You literally have to knock the door down and take the job from somebody. You have to steal somebody's job higher in the lineup. And that's what pro sports is. And if you're not able to do that, then you don't elevate. And Bemstrom just for me has never played with a sort of offensive confidence. He never looks offensively dangerous. Um, and I think he's had an opportunity to do that even lower in the lineup and certainly on the power play. And it hasn't yet arrived consistently. I think that's the frustration with him. Um, so I get what you're saying, but the tricky thing is you don't want to take a guy and say with Bemstrom and say skilled guy needs to play in the top six. So who are you taking out? Are you just going to sit uh, Nyquist? Are you going to sit Line A because this guy needs to get minutes in the top six? It can't work that way. That he has to, he has to blow you away with his his effort, his skill, the way that he plays, his decision making, all of these things, and earn higher ice time. And I think coaches coaches put them in those situations and they watch and they wait for them to earn it. And if they don't, then they don't move up. Sometimes they, they move back. Um, but it's getting to the point now where I think Bemstrom needs to grab it. We said this about Texier last year. I remember doing a podcast with, with Bill, Bill McGilligan, or Bob McGilligan, the radio guy, about when is Texier going to get it? And, God, it was two weeks later. He got it. And it wasn't – I'm not saying it was, had anything to do with the podcast. It wasn't him listening to us. He just took off. And it was like, woof, there it is. And at that point, you couldn't deny the kid. He just he took off. Blankenberg at the end of last season, 
you know, a couple games to figure himself out, figure out what the, the pace of this is. And then by the end, of it, you're going, my God, he's one of their three or four best defensemen. And there he is playing in the top pair with Wierenski. I think Gavrikov did that a few years ago as well. That's the way it, way it should work and the way it, it, it optimally does. Cool. I mean, any word on Bemstrom's contract? I know he's our last unsigned. Yeah, he's the last player. one. I'm, I'm not sure what the, what the beef is there, but I don't think too many people are too worried about it. All right, cool. Well, that's it for so, me. Thanks, Aaron. All right, thanks, man. Thanks for the question. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's go to Brian E. Brian, go ahead. Maybe I lost Brian. How about, is it Zidar? Damn it. Zed. Hey, Zed. How are you? Damn it. How are you, Dada? Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the question. Uh, just real quick, I wanted to ask Damn you know, about Boone Jenner. Wait a fucking 40 yeah. minutes. Get out of here. Yeah, actually, the fucking billion thing. Um. You know, he's playing center for us uh, uh, last year and did a really good job for us. But yep. now with Goudreau coming in and, you know, Yarmo said that he drives the play like a center. Goudreau does. Yep. Do you see a possibility where you see Boone moving back to the wing, um, maybe on that second line? Because I think that would make that second line a little more scoring punch um, instead of having Gus and Voracek on that same line. Yeah, so I don't see Jenner moving, the, moving out of the middle anytime soon. Just because I'm not sure who the alternative is to play in the middle, I think they've got options lower in the lineup with with Karali and and Danforth. But I think at that, I mean, maybe you could go Roslovic and Sillinger as your top two. I think they want Jenner in that spot. Um, I'm curious to see who gets the first crack to play between Line A and and Gaudreau and what a choice assignment that would be. So I would suspect there's going to be great competition for that in, in training camp. The other thing about Jenner that I think they're cognizant of now or should be is that he can't be playing 19, 20, 22 minutes a game. Shouldn't be anyways. Um, because, you know, the, the back injury that sidelined him last year needs to be, I wouldn't say front of mind, because I, I think they think he can get past that. Uh, and they think he'll be ready for camp. He should be ready for camp. But I, I think you've got to pay mind to the wear and tear. And he should probably, <clears throat> excuse me, probably be 15, 16 minutes a night. So maybe a couple guys share in the load. But I still, you know, they also need a guy that can win faceoffs. And he's been one of the better faceoff winners. He, it, the, What do Line A and Gaudreau need on their line? They don't need playmaking skill. They need puck. So a, a guy that can win faceoffs helps. A guy that can win board battles helps. A guy that has a presence at net front and can and can help in that regard. And I think Jenner fills that description perfectly. I was a little impressed. I think many were how well Jenner worked with Line last year, because um, the assumption was that Line needed a playmaker, and and Line was point a game guy with. 
without a centerman that you would say was a playmaker. He finished the season with Roslovic, but played most of it with Jenner. So um, I'm with you. I just feel like they they feel like Jenner is is too important for them on the top three lines in the middle, and I don't feel like there's a reasonable replacement for him to do that. But they and they also have just tons of wingers, like tons of wingers. Um, so I think he's fairly well set at, at center where I, th- I think it could happen here in a few years is if Roslovic continues to mature and you find you can count on him as a two way player in your top six cylinder will be a bona fide NHL star by then I could see it then Jenner moving to the wing, but I think we're probably a couple years away from that barring a, a, a roster change. Okay, let's go to Paul. Oh, hey, Forty. Yo. Hey, I uh, was listening to, they were talking, one of your uh, previous people was talking about Bjorkstrand, uh, the trade and everything, how it wasn't yeah. good for the team. And it reminded me of, I was listening to Steve Dangle's podcast. I know you've talked with those guys a couple times. Yeah, yeah. And they were talking about the Bjorkstrand trade, again, how it was bad for the, you know, Yarmo got fleeced on it, this and that. It reminded me of a question that they asked in that podcast, and I wondered what your thoughts were on it. And it was, has the salary cap, the flat caps era, been good for hockey as a whole? Um, I mean, I, I, th- I think if you're, if you're the Blue Jackets, you're feeling pretty good about it right now. I'm trying to think of all the ramifications of that. I mean, you know, it, I hesitate to say it's been good on the whole because i i don't think i don't think too many people are having fun right now i i mean how much would gaudreau have made in a normal situation say pre-pandemic he's probably making 12 million a year um also probably the market is is much more aggressive as a buyer which is the fact that it wasn't uh more aggressive more aggressively a buyer's market is, is one of the reasons he's ended up in Columbus. Um, I mean, if Philly's in, then the blue jackets are probably out. I think, I think we could safely say that. Um, so I, I think there's been a benefit to it. Certainly here. I don't think the players are benefiting from it. I don't think the league on a whole is benefiting from it because it, you know, the reason it's flat is because the, the revenue has sagged. And of course, the reason revenue sagged is because of all of the the COVID drawbacks, which haven't been good for anybody. But yeah, I mean, it, it's changed things for sure. It's altered the league. There's no question about that. Um, how much does Line sign for if the if the cap isn't flat? Does he? If people have all kinds of money and the cap has continued to rise, is he signing for eleven and a half somewhere? I mean. You know, I think these are legitimate questions. And so maybe smaller market teams or teams that have not been ultra competitive through the years and, and we're looking for ways to spend money and hoping to keep players. Maybe Columbus has benefited from it. Uh, but I can't say that the league as a whole has. Very cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Let's see if there's any, um, we have any questions. Oh, here we go. Seth C. But maybe it was my good friend Seth Jones chiming in here. Uh, do you think we get Johnny if we don't sign Good Branson? Do you think we get Johnny if we don't sign Good Branson? 
The behind the battle clip indicates he called Doris and tipped off Johnny's interest. It was late in the game. Maybe it was necessary. Uh, so it's a good question. I saw that clip too. Uh, again, the question from Seth C. Porty, do you think we get Johnny if we don't sign Gabranson? <clears throat> I asked that question to Gabranson specifically the night that he signed. And while he made it clear that he loves playing with Gabranson and loves the player and the person. And by the way, this that is a universal statement about Eric Gabranson. I think fans are going to absolutely love him. Um, he's that kind of guy. But Gaudreau indicated to me that it wasn't a it wasn't a package deal by any stretch, and it really wasn't. Well, if if Goodbranson's going there, then I'll go there too. I think there were other factors, and and maybe Goodbranson helped with the connection to Dorset. But um, and I don't want to minimize anything Goodbranson did here, but my sense is that the connection would have happened ultimately if Johnny wanted a two one way or the other. At least that's what he indicated to me when we talked on the Wednesday night that he signed. So uh, Ronald D says, I think Yarma was tracking Chitron prior to the Gaudreau deal. With Texier being prospect draft pick, get it done. Still think he finds a partner for Wierenski. Um I don't think he finds a partner for Wierenski. And in fact, I've been, well, I don't think, I don't think the blue jackets interest in Chitron is nearly what people think it is. I think, I think there was an expression of interest when the player hit the market more than a year ago, but I've it's it's I've been led to believe that that there's there really wasn't intense trade talk uh, involving the Blue Jackets and the player. I'm not sure they're a big fan of the player, to be honest with you. I think they were more interested in what the market is, but not uh, really in on it. But that's my sense on it. I think what you see on the blue line is kind of what it's going to be on the blue line, unless they can pull off some. Incredible trade that doesn't add much more uh, to the cap, but that's going to be a hard thing to move. Um, Patrick D says, I know hindsight is 2020, but why not have a handshake deal with Gaudreau, allow the team to shed cap space via trade, and then announce the signing? I feel like this is what is happening with Kadri. Okay, so, I mean, if I'm the Blue Jackets, I'm not pissing around with Gaudreau. If he tells me he wants to come here, I want his name on the contract as soon as possible, and I want the ink to dry as quickly as possible. Um, and I'll let the cute stuff happen. I don't really – I don't know that there's a way around what happened. Um, and, I, again, any other year – it's weird because any other year they probably don't get Gaudreau. In any other year, it's probably easier to to move a contract than it is this year. Um, so th- this sort of perfect storm of events happened, both good and bad, for the Blue Jackets. But I think anybody would trade Gaudreau for Bjorkstrand. It just most people would agree it would be nice to have them both. Um, uh, Ronald Case says, is Texier really committed to playing for the Columbus Blue Jackets? That is every indication that I have. Um, short of talking to the player, hearing it from himself, uh, from him personally, uh, that's all I have to go on. But every indication from speaking to his agent, speaking to the Blue Jackets, it's never been an issue of him not wanting to play for the Blue Jackets. Never at all. Um, Barrick N says, we got spoiled with Sillinger and Johnson playing last year. When can we realistically expect Juracek and Matichuk to play in CB and CBUS? It does it on average take longer for defensemen. Uh, on average it does, but I think all of those old rules have been sort of chucked out the window. It used to be 
used to take years for a defenseman. I don't think people wait that long anymore. Um, but it's all about the individual. For me, Yurichek is not going to be this year. If he decides to play in the American Hockey League, then maybe he gets some games up here. But I, I don't think you should expect him to be a regular NHLer. Matichuk is probably at minimum a year, maybe two away. So it's two years of junior eligibility left. So he can't play in the American Hockey League for two years, Matichuk. So it's either junior or NHL. And this year it will for sure be junior. Um, Juracek can go back to the Czech. He can play in Cleveland. He could play in the NHL. It's it's all open to him. But uh, my sense is it's minimum one year and probably minimum two years before Matichuk, Juracek and Matichuk um, respectively make it to the NHL to stay. Uh, Brian S. says, Texier status. I know Yarmo indicated Tex likely to be here, but otherwise quiet. Your thoughts, Porty? Um, trying to get a hold of Tex, seeing if he's willing to do an off-season interview, just to see where his mind is at. Wanting no pressure, but if he wants to speak, he can. So I don't really have any firm insight on that, other than all indications are he'll be here for camp. But again, that's not from him. Um, uh, this is from Mark B. Continues to amaze me as GM. I love the team. Is Elvis the number one goalie, or are they going to split again? With Corby, I was looking at Cap Friendly. We're still about a mill over in Eddie. What's going to happen with that? Yeah, so look how many forwards that that uh, Cap Friendly has on the Blue Jackets roster and realize how many of those can go down. I think they've got 8D and like 14, maybe 15 forwards signed. So a few of those guys are going to go to the minors, and they're, they're off the books. Um, as for the goalies, I would think it's going to be probably two-thirds, one-third Elvis um, as the starter. So that's the way she looks right now. How much of a priority is it to resign veterans like Jake and Gus for failed fair deals following their contracts? Well, Gus is up after this year. And with all of those young wingers, um, I, my sense is that this is probably Gus's last year in Columbus. And he's probably a trade deadline guy to keep your eye on, depending upon where the blue jackets are in the standings. Jake has another year after this Voracek that is. Um, but again, with, with, you know, Gaudreau, a playmaker, with Kent Johnson, a playmaker. Um, see what the what the organization thinks is is right with Voracek in two years, but it would not surprise me at all if he's moving on as well with the the glut of young wingers that they had. Um, let's see. Josh S says, "Is Yarmo done, or do you think he trades another player away to free up cap space?" Uh, another trade would not surprise me at all. Um, I think we could see that, but you know that were going to happen. That probably would have happened already, but maybe somebody's waiting them out on somebody. So never say never. Zach S says, "Do you think Chinikov will return? Will turn into a top six forward?" And I do, but but not. It's not this year. I, I can see it. Top six, top nine for sure. If you think of the. The third line is less a checking line and more of a sort of a plus two line. Um, I think he's a top nine, top six forward, but you want to see considerable growth here. Um, let's see. We seem to have Jenner, Roslovic, Sillinger, Crawley, Danforth, Danforth as our center depth. Who is most likely to be next on this current roster, especially with injury concerns? High up in the lineup of Jenner's back is an issue again. Well, 
So Ross Levick and Sillinger would move up just as they did last year. Corelli to the third line, Danforth to the fourth. Not ideal. Um, but again, they think Jenner should be good to go. Um, who helps? Brian E says, thoughts on who helps us the most in net this year? Elvis, Corpy, or Tarasov? Well, if everyone stays healthy, Elvis is the guy in Columbus. Corpy is his backup, and Tarasov is the man in Cleveland. Uh, Tarasov needs to play. They think he's going to be a big deal player, but I think they want to see him really run the table in, the, in, a, in a pro league here to feel a lot better about that. Um, would Nyquist be able to get moved a little easier now since we are under the cap? Um, well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, you certainly you wouldn't, you can't be held hostage if you don't have to move them. So that changes that dynamic. But what is the market for, for Nyquist? 50 point guy, a guy that can help you. But there's not a lot of teams looking for, for large chunk salary players right now, especially guys that are just for one year. Um, so he may be a trade deadline guy. Any news on the guys who went home to Russia and whether they will be able to make it back, says Faye Um, So no word on those guys. They won't even try to come back until probably a month or so from now, closer to the start of camp. I can say this. Marchenko has decided to stay in town, and his wife uh, made it over this week. And apparently Fedor Tutin is helping them get acclimated in Columbus. Of course, Fedor Tutin, a Russian player, Played for the Blue Jackets and has continued to live here. Um, so, yeah, that's a good uh, that's a that's a good sign and a pretty good setup right there. It was always said that you want Liney to be the second star of this team. Now that he is, do we have a cup window? Is is it three and four or four to seven? Well, boy, that's a tough one. Can be. I mean, I think three and four. I think. Um, you should see improvement this year. I think they should be either really close to a playoff team or a playoff team this year. It'd be fantastic for a lot of young guys that they could get playoff experience this year and then go from there. Um, so those, those windows don't stay open very long. Um, Dominique B says, any chance we'll have a dev camp, dev camp recap analysis. Um, so I wrote about Marchenko after the first day. Dev camp is really a hard thing to sort of analyze because it's the games, the game is all over the place. The players are dead tired. Um, a lot of it's drills. We wrote about Marchenko just because it was his first, you know, his first time in a blue jacket sweater on the ice and he looked fantastic, but I don't think it's wise to, to, to read too much into, the development camp. Some of those guys have been skating regularly. Some guys' seasons ended not too long ago. Some guys haven't skated for a month and a half. And most of them are fried by the end of the first day. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun. I don't think you want to read too much into it. Um, if we sign Gavrikov long-term, does that signal that Denton Matichuk becomes a future trade ship? No. No, I don't think so at all. I think you – I don't. I'm not worried about left-handed defensemen. Um, you can have two lefties on the same pair. I get no problem with that. Um, let these guys see, let these chips were, fall where they may. Um, I mean, is there room for Kuhlemans, for Yurichek, and for Matichuk? Heck yeah. Like, how great would that be if all three of them made it? Um, anyways, uh, John X asks about what extent may Jake Bean uh, have in relation to the Canadian hockey scandal. Um, no really careful with this because you don't want to malign somebody without really knowing what you're talking about. That's obviously playing out up in, in Canada. Uh, his agency, as you know, John has made a blanket statement. 
Um, no information otherwise about that that I could share or, or would share. Um, after a year, what's the sense among the players about Brad Larson and his coaching style? I think the players liked playing for him last year. I think they felt energized. Uh, certainly offensively, I think there's going to be a different tone set with respect to their defensive play this year. I think they feel like they let that slide a little too far when the big meanie John Tortorella left the building. Uh, so they got to get that. They got to get that back. Um, let's see. Can we get an Allison Lucian Oliver Bjorkstrand front and nationwide this season? My God. Some people like to be heartbroken, don't they? Man, do you think we could handle that? Allison and Bjorky, two, two of the greats. Um, hope you'll settle for comments from Bjorkstrand maybe in a couple of days. I, I texted him, said, Hey, I still want to talk to you when you're back from your honeymoon. The young man is still on his honeymoon. I don't know where he is, but I think he's doing okay. And I think he's going to be okay. I think he's making five and a half million. He's going to be in Seattle, which is a great city. Just got married. It's a new start for he and his lovely bride. I guess I've got enough, enough. Um, I feel awful about a lot of things in this world. I feel pretty good for Oliver Bjorkstrand, though he will be missed. Um, what is the successful season for Kent from a fan's perspective? This is from Brian R. Um, what about Sillinger? I think you want to see offensive production from Kent Johnson. You want to see him be dangerous with the puck. Um, cause that's who he is as a player. I think for Sillinger, you want to see him play a lot more games, continue to grow. I think some of those chances he had last year that didn't turn into goals can turn into goals. He could be a 20, 25 goal guy this year uh, as a 19 year old. Pretty impressive. Um, Nick. C wants to know, do you see Marchenko slipping into Bjorkstrand's role this season? I think he could. He's got a great shot. He's bigger than Bjorkstrand. Um, I have not seen Marchenko play. Uh, my guess is, you know, it'll be a challenge to meet Bjorkstrand's sort of tireless work ethic. Physically, Marchenko is more gifted than Bjorkstrand. He's a big man. He carries a, a six foot three frame impressively. Um, really good offensive instincts. So I, I think if he becomes Bjorkstrand, you're really, really pleased with that. Um, but there's some work to do there. He's got to prove himself yet, but it'll be fun to watch. Uh, Andy J says, what do you think Gavrikov's new contract will look like assuming he resigns? So that, that's an interesting one because those guys, the stay at home guys don't typically get paid, but Gavrikov was more productive offensively last year than I think people would have anticipated. So I think it's a four or five year deal. It's probably going to be north of four and a half, maybe five million. Um, I know people get pissed off when, <laughs> when, uh, we just throw numbers out there like this, but that, uh, without looking at the comparables, that's sort of my feel. Um, very impressive player, two way guy, uh, very important to this team. Um, it was Wiley said that Yarmo wanted to trade for McDonough. If that would have happened, do you think Yarmo still signs both Gaudreau and Line A? You know what? If he, if that happens, I'm not sure they can swing it, to be honest with you. So things to consider. Uh, comments on PLD's press today. today. I didn't hear it. I didn't watch it. I, um, I saw it or I saw the quotes from it. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't have a – I just don't like – I just can't imagine playing for one team and having anybody in my party – make it clear that I'd rather be playing for another team. It's just so, especially when you're already on your second team. Uh, in your history covering the CB, this is from Andy J. 
in your history covering the CBJ, who is your favorite player to cover and your least favorite player to cover? Hmm. Um, geez. Uh, I mean, there's so many guys that were great to cover, especially in the early years. Tyler Wright, Kevin Deneen. I mean, Tugnut was amazing. You know, to cover a Sergei Fedorov and to, to sit and listen to him dissect the game, incredible. Um, Espen Knutson was was a favorite, as everybody knows. Um, Gee, Zenon Kanopka was an absolute hoot. Um, at least favorite. I don't know about least favorite. There's very Christoph Oliva wanted to, to kill me one night. Um, he used to get aggressive, so that was you know not fun because he was six five two forty. And um, so yeah, um, Ryan Dezingle was surprisingly difficult and unpleasant to deal with. The Ohio State kid, even though he knew many of us from his time in, at Ohio State, that was weird. Um, but really, not too many guys that that jump off as as being least favorite to covers. Usually, it's it's a pretty good relationship. Um, who, and last question from Graham P. Sorry, it's the last one we're going to get to. Who outside the Jackets has made the best moves in the Metro? It looks as tough as ever this year. The whole East Coast looks stacked. Well, I mean, I think New Jersey's taken a big step, although you keep thinking they're going to make that step, and they don't, but they kind of made a splash there. I think Carolina, Pacioretty gives them yet another score. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really good division, and we could have a changing of the guard because – Pittsburgh has decided to keep the band together, and that's um, that's a risky move, but one I totally understand. It's it, there's some uh, there's some loyalty to those players that have brought so much to the organization. I totally get that, but you wonder where it's going to go there with Latang signed long term, with Malkin now back, and Raquel. Like they're pretty much tapped out, and and they're committed to the group that hasn't done much playoff winning here the last four years. So. Um, and Washington's getting older too. Let's go to Mark B. I think we cut off Mark B. Early. We'll be on our merry way. But last question of the summer, no pressure. Last last question goes to you, Mark B. Hello. Yes, sir. Hey, how are you? Good man. I'm just uh, I'm curious that you'd answered the the salary cap issue. Um, so if they just drop some of these extra players, they should be fine by the time the season starts, is what you're saying, most likely? Yeah, they're fine now. I mean, they, they can't keep. So I think if you look at cap friendly, and I can call it up here real quick, if it shows that they're over by a million, it's probably counting 24 or 26 players, and they're going to carry 21 or 22 at most. Yeah, they've got 14 forwards, eight defensemen, and two goalies. So there's 24. So from that group, there's at least one cut. Coming. Okay, At least. I that, that, that was my question in general, and, and you already answered the other one while I was on hold. You okay. said the jackets are going to be probably around just maybe seven or eight because the division is so tough, or they're just outside looking in for one more season before we we could say we're a playoff team again, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's uh, the prediction game is is a strange one. I, I I think playoffs should be a goal this year. I think they should stay in the fight. I think longer this year. I think it's a disappointing year if they're not really in the playoff drama at the end. Um, but it's hard to look at their. At, it's hard to look at the East and pick out, you know, two or three teams that made it last year that aren't going to make it this year. 
uh, to find a spot for the Blue Jackets to close 19 points. That's a big gap. Yeah. Not yeah. saying it's insurmountable, but it's a big gap. So and the last thing, yeah. quick pointy before I let you go, how how often do you do these? I just luckily found you today. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I think this is the third or fourth one we've done, and people seem to be digging them. So we're gonna do we're gonna do more of them. What we typically do is take these and then post the recording of this conversation as the podcast. So even if you oh. miss it, you can hear it later. Oh, sweet. Okay, yeah, because all of a sudden I got an alert on the Athletic. Nice. And I have the Athletic as an app, and it said they're Appreciate it. Because the jackets are my favorite on the on the uh, Athletic, so they must have just linked the two together. There you go. And then all of a sudden it said, well, 40's live. Uh, you can click here to, to hear them, and I, that's what I did, just so you know how I found you. Yeah, per- the system's working. Yes, so thank Perfect. you so much, Forty. I'm, I'm so looking forward to the jackets this year with Goudreau and Liney. Thank you for what you've done in almost 20-some-odd years with the jackets here. It's great. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Okay, Forty. Take care. Bye-bye. Peace out. All right, thanks, everybody, for doing this. Really appreciate it. I think we had over 200 people stepping in here, which is awesome. So I appreciate you guys stepping in, and we will uh, we'll talk to you again probably early September just as the weather starts to cool and the puck gets ready to drop. So thanks again for doing this. Thanks again for listening in. Thanks for the questions. We'll talk to you later.